Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Have you ever been in a situation where your goals and your actions contradict each other? Uh, psychologists have a term for this. It's known as cognitive dissonance. And this is a term I'm getting familiar with. And basically it means the discomfort you and I experience when two cognitions are incompatible with each other. So like you may have a goal that's in conflict with the action that you take. So for example, you know, I got a dog, you walk the dog and you want to be a good dog owner. And halfway through the walk, you realize you don't have any of those little baggy things. And your dog does his business in one of your neighbor's yards and what do you do? You have these two competing ideas. You want to be healthy. You want to get in shape. But you've worked hard all day, and you open up the fridge, and there's some leftover birthday cake, so you decide to eat it on the couch because, after all, you deserve a little break. Or maybe you're at work, and you want to be a good employee, but you look down at your phone, and you're like, man, these candies are not going to crush themselves. So maybe you scroll through your phone and maybe spend a little too much time on your phone and not enough time Working. I bring this up because our topic today, freedom, freedom is something that you and I want, but we spend most of our time doing the very opposite thing that brings us true freedom. Every human heart desires freedom. It is the driving force behind all that we do. The reason why you are driven or the reason why you are lazy, the reason why you pursue relationships or the reason why you hide from relationships or the reason why you spend or the reason why you save All of us feel the fracture of our human condition and want to do something about that, and we pursue to have freedom, freedom from the things that gnaw on us, freedom from the things that that, uh, bring us turmoil, that weigh us down. We are all seeking freedom. We all want it, and the good news is the claim of Christ is he's called us to it. Paul writes to this church in Galatia. He says, for you were called to freedom... You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Jesus says in John 8, so if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. Now, we have this freedom, but if we're honest, we don't always feel free. We feel like we're captivated by something. Why does that is? Well, it's this idea that our goals and actions don't always go together, because this is what Paul says. Paul says, for you and I were called to freedom, brothers, but only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So you are called to freedom, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. What is the flesh? Well, if you take off the H and you reverse the letters, you get self. Do not, do not use your freedom as an opportunity to pursue self. Now, you may be thinking, well, the culture connotation of freedom, this is what you and I think anyway, is that freedom is being able to do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want to do it with. We are told this in lyrics and melodies and songs and in music and sitcoms and social media and videos. And we are told that that's what freedom is. And so when we come into Jesus, we're like, yes, Jesus, give me, give me forgiveness. Give me freedom from shame, freedom from guilt. Give me a hope. Give me a future so that I can do what I want when I want. And Paul is saying, look, you want freedom, but you're doing something. He's telling this church, 2,000 years ago, and he's telling us today, 
You want freedom, but then you go back to what has enslaved you in the first place. And maybe 2020 has highlighted this for you because you were all cooped up. You know, we were all cooped up. We were left to our own devices, seeking to soothe the ache that we feel, to get reprieved, to get escape. And if you're like me, in the pandemic, you, you sought to binge on entertainment or self-indulgence only to go to bed feeling sad and then waking up the next morning to have this overwhelming sense of regret and unsustainability. And you're thinking, I know that I'm free. Jesus has set me free, but why, do I know, why don't I feel free? I have this appearance of freedom. I can do what I want. I've got money in the bank. I've got resources. I've got opportunity, but I don't feel free. So on one hand, we amplify the fact that Jesus has freed us, but on the other hand, we give ourselves to self-indulgence, self-indulgence that enslaves us once again. So what do we do? What's the answer? What do we normally do? So like right now, if I was to stop this sermon, I know we're only five minutes in, but if I was to stop this sermon, where would your mind go? Where would your brain go? What would you do to stop self-indulgence? Well, I think most of us instinctively would begin to set up a system of rules. I mean, I know it's been a, two month, been a couple months since the Super Bowl, but after the Super Bowl, one of the notifications that came from one of my many sports apps is you've got to try Tom Brady's diet. And I got a link to Tom Brady's diet and his, his diet is the key to success. I mean, if you want to win Super Bowl, I mean, this guy's winning Super Bowls at 87 years old because he's not self-indulgent, he is self-disciplined, he has rules, he has, I mean, on a cheat day, he's eating blueberries, this guy has got it all together, and he becomes the hero, and so if you want to win your proverbial Super Bowl, you don't give yourself to self-indulgence, you give yourself to self-discipline, and this is exactly what the Christians in the region of Galatia did. They left self-indulgence and and then they began to pursue self-discipline. And these two paradigms, these two philosophies lived in the church and they live in our church today. They live in the church world today. That is, one is that the key to freedom is self-indulgence or some people say as a reaction to self-indulgence is the key to freedom is self-discipline. We are convinced, we are absolutely convinced, obsessed, if I could say, that the way to fix self is self. So instead of self-indulgence, we need self-discipline. And I wonder what kind of group that you relate to. If you're like me, you kind of mix and match. In fact, you may use self-discipline so that you can get to self-indulgence. You may work really hard so that you could take, uh, so that you can indulge yourself. You may run five miles so you can have the donut but neither self-indulgence or self-discipline is the path to freedom. Okay, so what is the path to freedom? Well, Paul writes, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now here it is, but through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. The opposite of self-indulgence The definition of freedom is not self-discipline, but love. What do you mean love? You mean like an emotion? You mean like a feeling? No, I mean love through the form of serving one another. In other words, freedom, true freedom of our soul, the thing that we all want, the thing that we all are searching for, freedom is found not in doing what we want, when we want, nor is it in rules and systems. It is found 
in love through serving one another. It's not pursuing self, fixing self, you know, making self better, cultivating self. It is found outside of self in love and serving others. For the whole law, he says, is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the commands in the Old Testament, all the commands of Jesus, it all comes to this, that we would love our neighbor as we love ourself. In other words, we would look to our neighbor and recognize that they have the same value and dignity that we have And therefore, we, with the same energy and passion that we love ourselves, we would love our neighbor. But selfishness, selfishness, something inside of us, causes us to seek our own freedom without regard to our neighbor's well-being. We think that pursuing self, pursuing our own happiness will set us free when reality, true freedom, is found in pursuing Christ and pursuing love by serving other people. And this happens in Jubilee in beautiful ways. We've got people who minister to strippers and local clubs and recognize this woman has dignity. This woman has value. I am going to serve her. We've got, we've got families who reach out to their neighbors. And this, this neighbor of mine, they have value, they have dignity, and they seek to serve that neighbor. We've got uh, professionals in the, in the work world who see their coworkers not as a competitor, but someone who has value and dignity and seeks to share the gospel with them. We've got all different kinds of people who look at these precious little kids and, and our J kids and, and see the dignity dignity and and value in these kids. And they want to give of themselves for the betterment of these kids. So they think, yeah, I'll, I'll embrace the chaos once or twice a month on a Sunday to serve. And here's what they find. They find freedom. I mean, this is, this is a different definition, is it not? Then I do what I want when I want, but to give yourselves, to give yourselves to love by serving others. Most of us consciously or subconsciously believe that serving others is an attack on our freedom. When in reality, it is the pathway, or I should say it is the fruit of being free. Why is that true? Well, because love is motivated by the joy of sharing our fullness. Love is motivated by the joy of sharing our fullness, but the pursuit of self is motivated by the desire to fill our emptiness. So the reason why you love or don't love is, is, has everything to do with whether or not you're full. The Bible says that you and I have the fullness of Christ, that Christ has saved us and freed us and forgiven us and made us whole. We have everything we have for life and godliness, that we have the fullness of Christ. And it's from this fullness, this is what love does, it's from this place of fullness that we love and serve others. That's why one of the definitions of love, according to 1 Corinthians 13, 5, is that love does not seek its own. That's what love is. The world loves to talk about love, but it has no idea what it's talking about. Because oftentimes we, we describe it, I mean, it's a tired word. I mean, so I, I can love my wife and I can love tacos. And, and we just have one word for everything. And, and usually what we mean is we, we use love to describe a feeling that we have. So I, I love tacos because of the way it makes me feel. I love my wife because of the way she makes me feel. I love this group of people because of the way they make me feel. I love the cardinals because of the way they make me feel. When love does not seek its own, it's not I love you because... 
Love is something different than that. Love, love overflows from a spring of fullness that Christ has indwelled you and given you everything you need for life and godliness. And it takes faith to believe that. Otherwise, you fall back into a yoke of slavery, which Paul says in the very first verse of this chapter. And so it takes faith to believe that you are walking in fullness and that you can give and give and give. And I know a lot of believers who walk out their faith with no faith. I mean, on one hand, trusting Jesus is a struggle, right? You know, hashtag the struggle is real. And once you get through that struggle, there's another one and another one because the flesh fights against what the spirit wants to do. We'll read that here in a minute. And so on one hand, you're going to struggle. But when that struggle becomes in the same area, you know, one year, two year, three year, four year, five year, there's a point where that struggle becomes a stronghold and you become enslaved by it. Well, how do you know if it's a stronghold in your life? Self. Well, your defenses go up. And you get verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by each other. What happens when, when you are uh, not giving yourself to serving and loving others? You criticize, uh, you know, you, you, you pick, you, you fight. Uh, the, the Greek literally means you start acting like wild animals, unable to subdue your own impulses. So on one hand, you're like, oh, look at that wild animal. They're free. No, they're not. They are subject to their own impulses. We have a dog, wonderful dog, who had something wrong with its throat and it began to scratch at its throat. And it, and it, and it scratched all the fur off and started scratching through the skin. I mean, it could have seriously damaged himself. How did he do that? Because he, he's unable to control his impulses. In other words, freedom and wholeness and the ability to walk in these things is removed from the self-seeking man or woman and the root cause of all quarrels, of all fights, of you know, wars and hatred and, and racism is from the self-seeking heart. I mean, that's what James is getting at when he says, why do you quarrel? Why do you fight? Why do you hate? Isn't that just because you are selfish? Paul elaborates in Galatians 5, verses 16. He says, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So there's a way that we can live to where these desires for self don't become front and center. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Okay, pay attention to that one. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Your desire for wholeness and freedom and all that Christ has given you, your flesh, your self is opposed to that. Check this out. To keep you from the things that you want to do. I mean, this is huge. Each one of us has something deep inside of us that we want to walk in freedom, that we want to walk in wholeness. It burns in us and we try to pursue it. We try to chase it. But there's this opposite thing happening. There's this reciprocity that we want something, but this opposite thing is pulling us saying, no, me, self, I need what I want. I have to get what I want. I need what makes me happy. And that's what's going to make me free. That's what's going to make me whole. And we perpetually and constantly buy into the exposed lie that if we can pursue personal happiness, we'll finally be free. And this starts very early on. I mean, I remember, oh man, why well, can't wait till I get to high school? Then it'll be it. I get to high school 
and that's not it. Oh, I, it. oh, it's my first car. And then I get a first car. Okay, now I want another car. And then you get a job and then you get a spouse and a house. And there's, you know, if I get this level of income only to get to that level of income and realize it falls woefully short. And the bar just has to keep going up, keep going up, keep going up, like chasing a mirage. Or as Isaiah puts it, he says, why do you buy bread that does not satisfy? You buy this bread, you get it, you eat it, it does not satisfy. So you buy it again and again and again and again. That is why Paul says this kind of living is submitting yourselves to a yoke of slavery. You feel like you're free, but you, are, you feel this compulsion to have to do it. Freedom, he says, is found when you can finally say no to your impulses and say yes to love and serving others. To close this message, I want to share something from the life of Jesus that I was floored by. I mean, I'm pretty impressed by Jesus already, but this, like, I I never quite saw it this way, and and I'll try to point that out as we read through the text. And it's from John 13, and the scene here is that Jesus' ministry is over, okay? All the miracles are over. This is the final week of his life. He's gathered his 12 together in an upper room. He's going to have one final meal, and then he's going to go to the cross, And in this room is, uh, well, I'll read verse two. It says, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So in this room, one of the 12 is a betrayer, but you also have this guy named Peter who pretended or, or wanted to be Jesus' biggest fan, but in the end was a denier. So you have a betrayer, a denier, and then the other 10 would all leave him. So you have the coward. So you have in the room, here's... Here's the room that Jesus is in. He's got a betrayer, a denier, and a bunch of cowards. And here's a phrase that just floored me in light of uh, the topic of today. It says Jesus knew. What did he know? Well, he knew that they were all they were that they were going to do this, but that's not all he knew. He also knew. He also knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He could have done whatever he wanted, uh, whenever he wanted, to the degree he wanted. I mean, he had ever. I mean, you and I dream of stuff like you know, if I could get here, and if I get there, and if I can have this. He had everything. I mean, he 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 had everything at his disposal. Uh, he could have called a legion of angels. He could have done whatever he wanted. And after all, I mean, didn't he deserve it? I mean, he had thirty-three years of ministry. He's getting ready to die. I mean, doesn't he deserve like a self-care day? What would you do? What would you do if you were in a room of people who didn't treat you very well? What would you do if you're in a room of people and you could do whatever you wanted, whenever you, you could leave, you could move, you could do whatever, you could do whatever you wanted. You had all power. You could do whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted. What did you, what, what did he do? He got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing He wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Jesus did not use his freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But he, through love, served a group of men 
who weren't very nice to them, him. And then when he had finished washing their feet, it says in, I believe, verse 12, that he, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He says, do you understand what I have done for you? Let me ask you this question. Do you understand what Jesus has done for you. If you are a Christian, if you're not yet a Christian, today could be your day to become one. But if you are a Christian, do you understand, not just up here, but do you understand in your heart what Jesus has done for you? And then he said, you call me teacher and Lord, capital L, Lord, and you're right. That's who I am. Now that I, your Lord, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. This is what I've done. This is, I am ultimate reality. I am the ultimate human. I, I have come to bring you life. I'm, I've come to bring you freedom. This is what I do. If you want to follow me, if you want to trust me, if you want my life, this is what you do too. You, 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 you love and you serve others. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you for. Truly, I say to you, no servant is greater than his master, nor messenger greater than the one who sent him. In other words, I am going to send you guys out, and this is how you're going to live your life. You're going to serve each other. You're going to serve your neighbor, and you're going to serve the world. And then he says, now you know these things. And let me just say, we know these things. You know these things. I mean, this is like basic Christianity 101. Love people. Love. What is love? Love does not seek its own. Love serves. Love is, is the ultimate expression of freedom. The opposite of love is self, pursuing self. You know these things, but here it is. You will be blessed if you do them. Some of you are, have concerns about stepping into a life of service. I just want you to know, Jesus, the one you follow, says, if you do this, if you take this step, you will be blessed. You will experience this freedom. You will walk in the good of the freedom, Jesus says, that I've already purchased for you. We love and serve others when we operate from a place of fullness that Christ has loved us. When we pursue self and ignore service, we're trying to fill this emptiness. And what Jesus wants to do for you right now is he wants to fill you. If you're, if you're like, man, I can't, I can't serve. I don't feel like I have anything. Jesus wants to fill you. Jesus wants to serve you. He wants to love you. And he wants to remind you of what you have in him. We have fullness in him. So but the action step is that we must do. We're not blessed by knowing these things. We're blessed by doing these things. I wanna invite you forward to take that step. We have hundreds of people on serving teams. We have hundreds of people who could be on serving teams. This is not something that we're pleading with you because you say, oh man, we need it. And this is for you. This is your path to greatness. This is your path to purpose. And this is your path to freedom. I want to see I want to be a part, and I know you do too. I want to be a part of a community that is just filled with freedom, that's operating in fullness that we receive from Christ so that we can love and serve others, so that we can look to our neighbor and say, you have dignity and you have value. We can look to our brother. We can look to our sister and say, you have dignity, you have value. I want to serve you. I want to love you. And that is the ultimate expression of 
of freedom. So won't you take that step? Take that step. Join a team. And maybe you're at a place where like, I'm not ready to like, you know, you may not even get on the schedule yet and that's fine. Just make that known. But get on a team. Say, yeah, I want in on this. And then keep taking the next step, the next step. Begin to serve other people in other ways and, and lead and so many things that can be done. I'm so, uh, I just love being a part of church. I love Jubilee because this has this long history of just serving other people, serving our city, serving each other. Let me pray for us and we'll conclude. Father, I just thank you for the love that you poured out on us through Christ. Because of Jesus, we have been set free. We've been set free from sin. We've been set free from ourselves, from, from pursuing self. And we're free to love, free to care, free to, to, to live as you have lived. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for us. I pray that you would empower us. Well, I pray for anyone who feels empty, that you would fill them, that you would remind them of the resources that you have given them as a son and daughter of Christ. Who the son sets free is free indeed. And may we live out that freedom by expressing it in love and service of each other, our neighbor and the world. Amen. God bless you guys.